So we're in the middle of a series called Consumer or Consumed. Are you a consumer or are you consumed by the power of Almighty God? And we've talked about a lot of things through this series. We've talked about who the object of our worship is. God is looking for spirit and truth worshipers. We've talked about the object of that worship. And who is that? It's real easy. Starts with a G. It's not Georgia. God, right? He's the object of our worship. But go dogs. Anytime I have a chance to throw that out there. Um, God is the object of our worship. And the battle with our worship is between our will and His will, right? We want our will, right? I want my stuff. I want to be comfortable. I want all that. And God says it's either, it's either your will or it's my will. But you can't serve both of those masters. And so we've looked at that. The battle is not just to do worship, but the, it is to be a worshiper. And not just here on Sunday morning, but every single day of our life in everything that we do with every attitude of our heart because somebody is watching our lives. Did you know somebody's watching you? Did you know that? I got a friend of mine, he said, you know, I was, was driving along the other day and somebody cut me off. So I told them in a nonverbal way, I thought they were the best, that they were number one. And stopped at a traffic light. Somebody rolled the window down and said, hey there, buddy. <laughs> Ended up they knew him. <laughs> Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching your life. Somebody's looking at what you're doing. So it's not just about doing worship, but being a worshiper in every aspect of our life. If you want to follow along with notes, you can go to the Bible app. If you have version on your phone, you can go to the Bible app. Down at the bottom right-hand side, you will see more. You click on more. It it actually will let you know that you are right here in Goldsboro, North Carolina. You click on it and your sermon notes pop up just like that. Is that not amazing? That's one of the attaboys to our media team. They make that happen week in and week out. So you can follow along there. If you would like the manuscript of the notes today, all you have to do is email info at bridgechurch.cc and we would be happy uh, to get those notes to you. All right, I'd be happy to share everything that I have from the entire series. But as we began this series, one of the passages that we went to was in John chapter 4, where Jesus is with the woman at the well. And in John chapter 4, verse 23, he says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. He is looking for spirit and truth worshipers. He's not looking for worship. He's worthy of our worship. But what does he want in our worship? What's he looking for really? Who's he after? Those that are made in his likeness in his, Im in his image, right? He, doesn't he want us? Isn't that what he's looking for? You know, giving our tithes and offerings is an act of worship unto God. What's God after in tithes and offerings? Your heart, right? A lot of people say, well, all the church wants is your money. You know, they just, they, they, 
here's another offering here and another offering there. And we actually, when I first started here, we had two offerings a Sunday, two to three Sundays a month. And we're like, that is way too much. So we have got back to where we receive an offering one time in each service. And we have the option of online giving. I don't know how many of you take advantage of that. I actually do give most of my giving online. And uh, for those of you who do that, we appreciate the fact that you do. And thank you for uh, your giving. But it's an act of worship unto God. God's not interested in your money. He is interested in your heart. And so God wants us. And that's why worship is more than the 20 minutes that we do up here on Sunday morning. See, worship didn't stop just then because the band went down. Worship is continuing. God is filling us up. And then we're going to go out. And we're going to worship Him by serving, by loving, by sharing, by standing bold for the truth. How many of you know we live in a world where everybody around us wants us not only to accept, but to adopt what they say. This is the way you need to live. This is how you need to think. And if we are truly, I was having a conversation right before church, so it's kind of bleeding over here. But if we're truly diverse as a nation, then my position as a believer in Jesus Christ is one that is welcome in that discussion of diversity, right? So I know we sit back and we're like, I don't know, can I say amen to that? Yes, you can say amen to that. We are not to conform but we are to be transformed amen by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus and so that is the call of God on our life we shared a quote last week from Garrett Gustafson or Gustafson I guess is how you say it worship is the acts and attitudes of wholeheartedly giving yourself to God spirit soul mind and body now we don't usually come out of the gate Serving Jesus like that. We don't come out of the gate saying, Man, spirit, soul, mind, and body, I'm good. Everything's great. I'm loving on Jesus. I'm fired up for Him and everything. I've got all my stuff squared away. No, it is a journey, isn't it? We're in a marathon in this walk with God. We're not in a sprint. This life is a marathon, and we have to do it well. So what I want us to do today as we think about being spirit and truth worshipers is I want us to look first at the three stages of this journey kind of the 10,000 foot view and then I want to get down in the weeds what are the steps that we go through to get to that place in our relationship with God so the first stage in the journey of being a spirit and truth worshiper of, of really saying God I just want to do and abide in your will I want to worship you with my life. What's the first step in that? The first stage, rather, is that I ask God to fill my spiritual void. How many of you have heard that there is a God-shaped void or hole in every person's heart? Have you ever heard that? That only He can fill. What does that mean? What does it mean when we say that? We run and try to fill it with all this other stuff. We think things will fill it. We think money will make us happy. You ever known anybody that had a whole lot of money and was very, very miserable? You ever known that? Now, I'm not against having a lot of money. Matter of fact, if you got a lot of money and you want to share it with me, I'll let you, all right? But I'm not against that. God's not against that. 
What he's against is if that money is your God, if that money is your idol, if that money is everything. But there's a void, there's a, there's a hole in all of our hearts that only God can fill. And the Bible calls it being born again. John 3, 7 says, you must be born again. And being born again says it's a fresh start, it's a, a clean slate. It's to begin anew with God. Not living in the past and looking in the past, but knowing that God has set you free. This is a time of grace, not a time of guilt. Okay? If you're feeling condemned and beaten down for the things that you've done in your past, that isn't God. A God of grace says, all right, let's shine the light on it. Let's point it out. Let's let you see that. But that's for the purpose of turning from that sin, right? When we ask God to fill that void, one of the things that we're doing is we do something the Bible calls repenting of our sins. And to do, when we repent, I met a, a gentleman today from, um, he's a Marine down in Jacksonville, and when, when they want you to do an about face or you're in the Air Force or you're in the Army, whatever, whether you're at Lejeune, wherever you are, if you're doing about face, are you going to keep walking in this direction? If your commanding officer says doing about face, you're going to turn around and go the opposite direction. And that's what repenting of our sins is. It's doing an about face. It's saying, I'm going to turn away from that thing, and I'm going to turn toward God. I'm going to ask God to fill the spiritual void in my life. And let me tell you something. Every single person born on this planet is born with that void. You must be born again. You must ask Jesus into your heart. We sang about it. That very last song. Oh my goodness, what a declaration of who God is in your life. And He wants to be a part of your life. If you've never made that decision, if you've never invited Jesus in, and you say, you know, I'm interested in that journey. I'd like to go on that journey, but I, I haven't taken that first step. I would invite you to do it today, to say yes to Him. You can do it right now. You can text New Life, and that's not how you do it. But that's how you let us know, okay? <laughs> Man, I went to this church and you text and Jesus comes in your heart. No, 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 no. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. You ask Him to come into your life in a prayer from your own heart, recognizing your need for Him. And then all we want you to do is let us know you did it, okay? That's what that is. So text hashtag new life to 72345. Lord, I can see Facebook now. Uh, <laughs> man, that was the weirdest service I've ever been to. Um, so that first stage is really the birthing stage, right? It's, it's kind of like the stages of life that we go through on that journey. The second stage is I ask God to meet my needs. It's, it's kind of like the growing up or the adolescent stage or maybe all those stages through growing up where... When we're, when we're born and we're being raised in, in, the, in the home, we don't have a job, right? Nobody, daddy didn't send you a bill, grandmama didn't send you a bill and say, you got to pay for the food I just gave you. No, because they're training you and teaching you how to grow up and develop to become a responsible citizen and a responsible contributor to society. Who's going to do that when they're an adult one day, right? 
This whole, what, what is it? They, they, it I, my daughter was talking about it the other day, adulting. We're adult, I'm adulting. No, nah, you just, this just, this is what it is, you know? I mean, you, you can label it, but it, you just grown up. And that's what God wants for each of us. But in that second stage, I ask God to meet my needs. Man, we, we step across that line of faith. We have a relationship with Jesus, and, and that's when it hits us. That the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God who is causing the solar, or yeah, the solar eclipse, is that right? Not the lunar, it's the solar whatever it's going to get dark <laughs> in easily South Carolina tomorrow about 2 o'clock in the afternoon whatever that is, I know it's an eclipse but um, the God of the universe who made all that happen loves me and wants a relationship with me and it makes me just want to get so excited about who he is I did a jig for somebody so you're welcome for the jig that's as good as I can dance. We can't wait for Sunday and the new discoveries every week. And we open our Bible and we see things we've never seen before. We pray. And God answers the prayers. It's amazing. And it's an incredible place. And if you're in that place right now, that's a wonderful thing. And celebrate that right now in your journey. But be careful not to let that slip into consumerism. Because it's real easy in that stage when we're praying and we're seeking God uh, that we begin to look at Jesus like a spiritual Santa Claus. Hey, I need, I gotta have, I want, I... You know, it's like the guy who prayed before he went to the car lot. And said, Lord, I just pray that I find that car, the perfect car, the one for me. And they drive off the lots with 70 payments ahead of them because they found that perfect car. The bank wants you to find that perfect car, okay? It doesn't always mean it was God's absolute best. It just means you wanted something really bad and you kind of talked yourself into the fact that God wanted that really bad for you too. And then it broke down the first time. You remember the first time the car, the very first car you were ever making payments on broke down? Maybe it was in the yard or maybe it was at the shop and you would drive by it with a friend because they had to give you a ride to work because your car was broke down. But you were still making payments on the car. And you're like, man, that car don't look near as pretty as it did when it was in the car lot. It doesn't look near as nice as it did when I first drove off with it, right? We've got to be careful not to slip into that mentality that Jesus is this genie in a lamp that I can just go to and I can make a wish and get anything I want. Because if you've been walking with God any amount of time, what do we all know about the world that we live in? In this world, we're going to have what? Tribulation. We're going to have trouble. And it has nothing to do with the fact that God is mad at you. It has to do with the fact that we live in this world. And there's trouble in this world. Have you been watching the news lately? We got trouble in this world. We need to come together. Can we, the church, be the example? Can we show the world 
what it looks like to love, what it looks like to forgive, what it looks like to accept, what it looks like to extend grace and mercy. Can we do that as the church? As I look out in, in, in this congregation, not near as multicultural as, and, and diverse as I wish it was, but I thank God for the different faces that I see, for people that I look at that don't look just like me, but I love you, and you are my brothers, and you are my sisters in Christ. Can we celebrate that? Can we celebrate that this morning at the church? Because we live in a world that needs to see us celebrating that. Amen? We, we need to do that. So I encourage you, I encourage you not to look at God that way. For spirit and truth worshipers in this stage, here's what we got to do. We can't just go to God for the stuff we want from Him. We have to want a deep relationship with Him. It's about a relationship with Him. It's not about what we can get from Him. When I was an adolescent... I wanted stuff from my parents. I wanted a car. I wanted the, the new clothes. I wanted brand new shoes. I wanted all the things that I saw my friends have. I went home this week from in the middle of the week to check on, on my folks. And uh, I texted my mom when I left and to let her know that I, I got back home safely because that's what good sons do, right? Even if they're 47 years old, they let mama know they're home and they're safe. And I, I, I did that, and she sent me a text, and she said, Son, I hope me and your daddy feel better the next time you come. We want to make it more fun for you when you come next time. I don't go to see them because I want them to take me to Six Flags over Georgia. <laughs> I go to see them because that's my mama and daddy. And I just want to spend time See, when we move from adolescence to adulthood in our relationship with Jesus, we spend time with Him, not because of what He gives to us, but because that's Daddy God. And I just want to spend time with Him. I don't care that we do a bunch of stuff. I just want to be with you, God. That's what He wants in our relationship. So it moves us to that third stage, which is that close, personal relationship with him so so how do we get there how do we how do we grow up I mean it's the desire of all of our hearts right when we're when we're born all we want to do is be big right you got little kids in the house I'm big mama I'm big look how big I am I got we got a, a jam on the door there that's got just it's marked up to beat the band we'll when, if we ever sell our home, we will cut that out and take it wherever we go. Because it is, you know, the stair steps. Oh, I'm, I'm bigger, I'm bigger. I got my shoes off. Look how big I We want to grow up, right? And then when we were grown, we're like, man, if I could be a kid again. You know, oh, not have all the responsibility that I have right now. But it's the desire of our heart to grow up when we're children. When we're born again into the family of God and we're an adolescent and we're growing in our relationship, it should be the desire of our heart that we grow up in our relationship with Jesus. That should be what we want to do. So how do we get there? Well, there was a, there was a passage we went to a few weeks ago, and I want to go back to that. It's, it's uh, Isaiah's confirmation. In Isaiah chapter 6, 
I actually quoted some of this the other day um, in, in one of the sermons. But in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one cried, to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. The first step when we get down in the weeds of this and we look at this passage of Scripture is we're growing and developing and we, you know, we're taking that first step to say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to live for you. God, I'm going to, I need you in my life. There's a void in my life. As we begin to see God for who He is, we see God for who He is. I love Psalm 19. Does anybody know what Psalm 19 teaches us? It says that the whole earth is full of the glory of God, that the heavens declare his glory. It teaches us in Psalm 19 that there isn't a place on the planet where the voice of God has not been heard. No matter whether there's a language that you speak or not, if you can see daylight and dark, if you can see the stars in the sky, if you can see creation, you see the handiwork of Almighty God. We begin to see Him for who He is. When God called me into the ministry, one of the places that is, has always been real close to me has been the ocean because I was there when I answered the call. And I was sitting out on an enormous rock on a beach. It, it was not here in North Carolina, but it was much like Fort Fisher if you've ever been there. It's a very rocky shoreline. And I was sitting and just looking out at, the, at just the great expanse that is the sea. And I know I'm just seeing it, just a snapshot, a small glimpse of the ocean but man just looking at that thinking how unbelievably big the God of the universe is and he wants to know me he wants a relationship with me and when we begin to see God that way and we see him for who he is we move beyond head knowledge and as we do that, then we go to step two. We begin to see ourselves for who we are. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. See, when we see God, when our eyes have seen Him, when we've looked upon Him in all of His perfection and beauty and majesty, and then we look at ourselves, it's like, holy cow. You ever been to the dermatologist and had them shine a little light on your skin and see where imperfections may be in your skin? And you're like, wow, I had no idea that all that was going on right there, you know? And that's what happens when the light of God shines on us when we see him for who he is and then we look at ourselves 
Woe is me, for I am a man undone. We can't encounter God in all of His holiness and be void of the brilliance of the light of God shining in our lives and allowing us to see what's really there. But it's not something to be afraid of. See, He exposes our flaws. He exposes those things in our life so that He can help us work through them and fix them. The reason that David was a man after God's own heart is because he prayed a prayer like the one that you're about to see in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Because David was willing to not just say, God, all right, if you want to show me what's there, fine. He went searching and said, God, if there's anything in me that doesn't need to be in me, show me what it is so I can get it right. Because I want to do this thing well. Because I believe that you are coming again one day. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you have given me the greatest gift I will ever receive in this life and I want other people to know about it and I don't want to do anything to stand in the way of them knowing that amen that is my greatest fear is that someone would look at my life and say I don't want Jesus if it looks like that guy that's what I fear the most I don't fear death that's what I fear help me be like you Jesus Help me look like you. So then that leads us to step number three, which is seeing myself for who I can become. God wants me to see myself for who I can be. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. See, when he did that, he allowed Isaiah to see who he could be in Christ. The greatest tragedy in Christendom is this. We come to Jesus. We see him for who he is. We confess our sins. He forgives us of our sins. We get a fresh start, a clean slate, all that stuff. But then we drag all the junk from the past into our life. I want you to listen to me this morning. If you are defining your future by your past, it isn't your past anymore. It is your present. You are keeping old hurts and guilt and lies alive. And listen, we talked about this the other week, just last week, when we define ourselves by the things that people have said about us, that we're lazy, that we're bums, that we're nothing, that we're no good, that we're stupid, that we're anything. And if that's a bad word for your kids sitting in here, I apologize. You shouldn't say that. But there are people that have heard that their whole life and they believe it 
you are defining your future by your past, it is not your past anymore. It is your present. Hear me. You cannot continue keeping old hurts, guilt, and lies alive in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We've been listening to the wrong names far too long. There's a new name. There's a new name. I, I remember as a boy singing a song in the little Baptist church I grew up in. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. What name do you answer to? I want to encourage you to answer to the name that God calls you. As we just heard, those other names are from the enemy. They are not from him. Don't live in your past anymore, allowing it to be your present. But live free, delivered, knowing who you are and where you're going because Jesus lives in you. If he doesn't live in you, do something about that today. Can I tell you the greatest tragedy of going through this entire sermon series would be you sitting through it and never walking out those doors different. Just hearing words and walking away with no change in your life. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. Step four, listen to the call of God in your life and be the person that he's called you to. It says in Isaiah, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I say? Or whom shall I send, rather? And who will go for us, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God? Who will do that? And my prayer is that the answer to who will go for us, who will hear the voice of the Lord and say yes, I pray that it will be you. Because that's step five. Step five is responding. How will you respond today? Will you hear what we just heard and walk out of here and say, look, I know that, that applies to that young lady right there. That applies to maybe somebody sitting beside me. Maybe that applies to Wren's, but it doesn't apply to me. It will break the heart of God if you believe that lie, if you believe that voice. Today is a new day. Today is a brand new opportunity to receive from God everything that He has for you. And it begins with your vision of yourself and who God is in you. It's a new day, church. Will you embrace it? Will you embrace Him? And will you trust Him enough? Because we live in that old stuff because that's familiar. Will we trust God enough to say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust you. Even though people may doubt me. Even though people may call me names. Even though people may ridicule me. I'm going to trust you. Because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Will that be you today? Let's stand.